Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, I'm Clive Anderson. Welcome to My Seven Wonders. In ancient times, the greatest works of mankind, such as the Great Pyramid of Giza or the fabulous Hanging Gardens of Babylon, were celebrated as wonders of the world. And like seas, days of the week and deadly sins, there were always seven of them. More recently, the Great Wall of China, the Taj Mahal, even the London sewage system have appeared on lists of modern or technological wonders. Other magnificent sevens salute extraordinary natural phenomena, such as the Grand Canyon or the Great Barrier Reef. But what are the seven wonders you would put on your personal list? Well, that's the question I ask my guests in this podcast, and the guest I'm asking today is Sir Trevor MacDonald, who in his many years presenting the news on television was frequently voted Britain's favourite or most respected newscaster. Before he occupied the ITN newscaster's desk, Sir Trevor had worked as a journalist in a variety of roles on television and before that radio, reporting politics, sport and other aspects of the news in Britain and before that the Caribbean. And since giving up his desk job, he's presented a variety of documentaries which have taken him to all sorts of places all around the world. So, Sir Trevor, you've, you've probably reported on and seen as many horrors, or rather more horrors, than there are wonders. Did, did it ever get to you? Did you get depressed by the news stories that you were presenting? I was always distressed when, um, when children were involved and, yeah. and when you went to places where there was civil disturbances or you know, violence of one sort or the other, mainly political. But the people who suffered and the people whose suffering affected me most was that of children. Yeah. You know, because they seem to have had no part in this, yet they were part of it because sure. they yeah. were they were having to endure um, what others did. And, and that always distressed me. I mean, you try, in a way, to put some of this out of your mind, but the, the suffering of children yeah. stayed with me more. But, I mean, it's in the nature of news, though, that it's always the... Well, not always, but almost entirely always the bad stuff. You know, if one, yes. one pensioner walks home... Uh, from a coffee morning and gets mugged for her pension, that's yeah. a news story. Yeah. If a million walk home and they've had a happy time, of course... You are absolutely right. Yeah. Absolutely right. One of my colleagues actually tried publicising a, a book ab about that that sort of phenomenon. So, oh, yes. you, you know, we invest too much yeah. in bad news. That was Martin Lewis, uh, <laughs> another <laughs> was, great newscaster. That was Martin But I Lewis. think he got a lot of flack for that. Well, he was, he was sort of laughed at in a way. For, exactly. Yeah. But, I mean, I now see, after many, many, many years, yeah. I see I see what he was saying. Yeah. Uh, and, um, you know, we if, if five people die in mm. some accident, it's perhaps not a, as, as good a story as if 50 have yes. died. So we, we, you know, I I think it's a yeah. it's it's something that we must acknowledge. And, and the other preliminary question I'd ask, since I'm interviewing you, uh, I just wonder because you've included in your career, which I didn't really focus on, that you've interviewed a lot of people. Yes, uh, the great, and the good, <laughs> and the bad, and the ugly, and yes. uh, and uh, what people often ask me is, do you get nervous interviewing, you know, you know, big stars or or compared to other people? And well, never mind what my answer is, but do, do you recall? 
being nervous. I'm, I'm always nervous. Yeah. Y- yes. And and it it doesn't matter whether the person is a, is an ugly politician, uh, ugly in the sense of his yeah. uh, what he believes in, or or somebody who is wonderful. I was terribly terribly nervous about interviewing interviewing Nelson Mandela. Yeah. Because I got the chance to do the first ever. T- television interview. The very first when he came out of prison. Exactly. Yes. And that itself was, was nerve-wracking. Yeah. And were you um, nerve-wracked because you thought this is a historic moment and I've, I'm well, in some it, way, it, I don't know how you would yeah. muck it up. It'll be it, it, it was an extraordinary thing because this man had been talked about so much but never seen. Yeah. And here was I going to see him yeah. and actually ask him questions. And, and you know, you, you had some very good questions to ask you yeah. thought you know how on earth would he ever yeah. come to an accommodation yeah. with the national party how on earth was he going to do this and to fulfill all the all the 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 the, the things which were heaped on him you know yeah. and i and i thought so uh, yeah i was very very nervous on the other hand um, my nervousness about interviewing Saddam Hussein was entirely different. <laughs> well, you um, thought he might uh, <laughs> have you thrown into jail for, yeah, ex- for impertinence. Ex- exactly. And I was, you know, and, uh, you know, Saddam Hussein, when he appeared, um, was, was, was fine as an interviewee. The people around him, the security guards and everything, that made me very nervous. You know, yeah. getting in a car to be told, um, uh, um, you know, w- be ready to leave at t- 10 o'clock. With no idea of where you were going, yeah, uh, and to a presidential palace, it turned out, you know, to stay the night. We never told that, yeah, and and then taking a short notice to see the president. So yeah, I but I was always nervous, and of course nervous about preparing to do the thing well. Yes, yes, have the um, information to hand. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I, you 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 know all about. Well, it. Uh, to an extent, <laughs> but uh, your, your experience is a bit, a bit different. Can I just one more question about Nelson Mandela? At the stage when you were interviewing him, um, were, were did you know the sort of person he was going to turn out to be after those years in prison? He might have been very bitter and angry and vindictive, or he might have been, well, uh, let's say the the wise person that he evidently was. But you might not have known that at the beginning. It, 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 it is the perfect question in that I was absolutely astonished at how conspicuously unbitter he was. Mm. Um, um, and I said... You know, there is no way you're going to do this deal with 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 the current political leaders, yeah. and 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 you know, and they you you must have been treated so badly twenty seven years, yes, and you know, an unconscionably long time, yeah, in in in, in, in dreadful conditions, all, yeah. all in the past. He said, uh, you, you you know, and didn't want to talk about how badly he was treated, and and had this very optimistic view. He yeah. said he said. And I always remember this. He said um, when I was trying to point out that a, a deal with the National Party is going to be very, very difficult. He said, "If you're prepared to sit down and talk seriously, yeah, everything is possible." And I said, "Surely not everything. You know, some things, but you, yeah. you know, the fundamental principles are are going to be very difficult. If you're prepared to talk seriously, he said, everything is possible." Right. He was an optimist. He was unbitter. Yeah. He was, in his way, pretty charming. All of which, after 27 years in prison, I had not expected at all. Yes. Well, you called your memoirs, your autobiography, an improbable life. So for anybody really to be in that position, to be interviewing Nelson Mandela, you know, for wherever you started, wherever he started, that, that was one of the great improbable um, events that you could take part in. I never, I never thought in any aspect, in any phase of my life, that I would end up doing something like that.
All right, well, let's, we better get on to your wonders, though. And your first wonder is tropical sunsets. So uh, now, are you thinking um, tropical suns in terms of a r- romantic, or does this take you back? To, you know, with a I don't know, a, a girlfriend, a wife, or a potential no. girlfriend, or is it back to your childhood? Back to my childhood. Um, not 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 very early childhood, but you know, in my teens and so on. There was a a, a part of the area I lived in in Trinidad where. Um, if you went out on this promontory, mm. you could see this wonderful sight of this huge, huge ball of sun yes. sinking beyond, you know, into the horizon, sort of, and and going into into the water. Yeah, you know, the, the, you know, it was so over water, and I, I find I couldn't possibly live in two places at the same time. And when I came to England, I didn't sit yearning for things in the Caribbean. Yeah, but occasionally. I thought of those days when I would sit there and watch the sun go down. And there was this theory, I'm not too sure whether it's true or not, that if you watch the minute it hits the water, there's a blue flash or something. Oh. I don't remember whether I ever saw that or whether... You sat looking for it. Whether it's even true, but you sat there. <laughs> yeah. And it's a, it's a slightly, I mean, you're absolutely yeah. right. It's a slightly romantic re- yeah. reminiscence about my life in the tropics. And particularly so, as I said, I don't, sit looking back in the dead of winter at tropical days. No. Um, because unlike many people, I, I couldn't live in two places at the same time. Yes. And I came to England and I had to devote my time and my efforts and, you know, everything I had into yeah. doing a job in England. So I don't, you know, I don't look back too much. But those sort of evenings, yeah. you know, tropical evenings in the Caribbean, peaceful and calm, and there was nobody on this promontory, you know, I could do it on my own, and it All was right. really, really lovely. Okay, well, look, uh, just just to sort of establish, you know, the time frame of this. If I'm getting my facts right, you were born in 1939 yep. in Trinidad, and thinking about it, of course, in your very early years, the war, the World War, was going on. Yeah, um, did that have an effect on Trinidad? Were there young men going off to fight for the British Empire? That you, I saw occasionally, you would see people marching round and so on. Yeah. And in my childhood days, wondering what the hell they were doing and yeah. why were they doing yeah. this? And of course, it was much later that I became, you know, very aware of the involvement that West Indians and sure. in fact, people from all over the Commonwealth yeah. had in, 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 the, in, the, in the World War. And another thought occurs to me that in this country, in Britain, we're so aware of the deprivations of the war and the, you know, the interrupted shipping. But for islands in the Caribbean... That must have had a, a, a very serious effect as well. You, maybe you've been too young to realise. No, 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 but, but a serious economic effect. Yeah. And you, you're absolutely right. I think my most persistent memory is a rationing. Yeah. And the fact, you know, as a colony, all our stuff came from across the seas. And the, the war stopped that. Um, yeah. With with the help of the German yeah. <laughs> boats, yes. And so on. Well, I'm not. I'm not trying to stir up old wartime. Remember. No, no, no. So, what my... age was it that you left? Uh, you know, effectively leaving Trinidad. I left a to... very, very long time ago. No, I no, but well, been... in your age, were you 15, 25, 35? What was your age that you left there? But I left, oh, yeah. I, no, I was in my late 20s, yes. uh, early 30s. Yeah. So I, I've now been living here much longer than I, yes. I've, I've lived in the West Indies. But you'd already got a career in broadcasting. Yes, there. I yeah. started broadcasting there. It's yeah. all I wanted to do, which was very um, annoying to my parents who... Um, the, the 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 generation into which I was born, people had to be a doctor or a lawyer. Yes, um, a, a third thing was an engineer or or, or something yeah, like that. Accountant but, um, might just about do. A, an accountant might just about do it. <laughs> but 
saying that you wanted to be a journalist. I'm, I, I hope I'm not wrong in, in interpreting this, but I don't think my father had ever heard the word journalist and he certainly yeah. didn't know what it meant. Yeah. And, um, and so for, for, for me to decide that is what I wanted to do yeah. what, what was a bit of a shock. Yes. And uh, have I got this right? You have, uh, you know, dual heritage, African and Indian. Did that make a difference in terms of the influences that came on not, you? Not particularly. Um, I think my, my people from the, the, in Trinidad came either from Africa or, or from from I- India, and and um, I met my grandmother and some of my father's relatives, and they were definitely you know from the Indian side of the family. Yes, and um, and my mother you know was sort of Afro Caribbean. So yeah. yeah, but I mean that's pretty common where I came from. Sure, yes, it's a great. Uh... Admixture in in yeah, that part yeah. of the world. I mean, a, a great, great, yeah. great admixture. And even the and the European influences are a mixture, depending on which island have been you know, overtaken by you know, the Netherlands, France, well, Spain. Was a very good example. Britain. I mean, it was Spanish, French. Yeah. I think even Dutch for a while. Yeah. There's an Oscan Scotch road yeah. in in Tobago. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, uh, and then, of course, yeah. British in 1797. Yes. Um, when when the, the the Brits came and threw the Spanish out. All right. Well, again, perhaps I'm not going to rake over old uh, <laughs> Anglo-Spanish. Wars, I'll, I'll blame it on you, Clive. Yeah, if, sure. Um, yes, I'm uh, not involved yeah. in this. Now, and when you say became a journalist, but uh, it would it would seem you were from the word go uh, using your voice rather than rather than just writing. So, what about your voice? Uh, I, I think everyone would single out your voice as the the epitome of. Uh, correctly spoken yes. uh, BBC English, if I may. Well, call I was very lucky that. about that. My my mother um, insisted on the use of proper English, and I, I was never quite sure where she got this from. I suppose it was the deep colonial influence. Mm. But I mean, if we ever, you know, drifted into deep West Indian slang, my mother, who, who was very West Indian, yeah. would say. And what does that mean? Yes. You, you, you know, yeah. and if you stumbled over words or got things in the incorrect order, she'd say, you know, spit it out, man, spit it out, <laughs> speak properly. Yes. So that I, I blame um, or I I should credit yeah. all all that thing about speaking properly and so on to my parents. They they absolutely insisted on it. Well, it, it, it paid dividends in, it, in a sense. I'm terribly, it, terribly yeah. grateful. I mean, perhaps in the more modern in the modern world, people tend to say, oh, no, you should you know, stick with That's right. the things around you rather than some uh, real or imagined proper way of doing things. Too late for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you don't want to change it, do you? Otherwise, yeah, um, maybe it wouldn't have put you in the... Yeah. Um, anyway, so that's uh, so that's uh, tropical sunsets. So it's a happy childhood memory, happy childhood. But you're not, you know, anxious to to return there. The, no, life has I, moved I, on for you. I kind of, as people say, I kind of put my bucket down now, and um, <laughs> I'm not too sure. I forget who it is. One of the Thoreaus said, "You know, you can't go home again." And yeah. I, it's only in my later life that I think I understood precisely what that meant. Is that you, yeah. you know you have changed. Yes, the place has changed. Yeah. And there is a kind of inevitable sad crash yeah. when you when you try to bring the two together yes. again. Because you might have so. decided to build a house uh, back uh, somewhere in, in Trinidad and go back and discover, as you say, you'd moved on and yeah. so you had that yeah. place. Yeah, it's yeah. it's it's really difficult. Yeah. Right, but it lives on anyway. The happiness lives on in the in the sunset. 
Ah, the mythical green flash during a sunset. It was first made popular by Jules Verne in an 1882 novel, and it's still leaking into pop culture through an occasional pirate movie sequel. Except it's not actually a myth. I know, it's weird. Usually we're debunking things people think are true, not the other way around. But the green flash is a real optical phenomenon, and it doesn't just happen right after the sun sets. You can see it right before sunrise, too. You can see it from any altitude and from anywhere in the world, but you have to have the right conditions. Your second wonder is the Grand Canyon in, in America. I, I remember going, I was spending some time in Las Vegas doing some work and, and got the chance um, to, to they take you on a flying trip to the Grand Canyon. Mm. And I remember that um, what they don't tell you, of course, is that this, this, this trip is, is pretty um, difficult because you're flying over the desert which is not terribly, terribly pleasant. And, <laughs> and half the people on the plane that I went in were, were never able to m make it to the Grand Canyon because they were so ill from oh, right. the, yes. this, the, the shaking up of the plane. Yeah. Um, but once you got there, it was really stunning. I mean, it's vast and magnificent. And, um, and, and you, you know, I've never seen anything quite like it. And I was, you know, really... It it bowls you over, yeah, really. And I always remember it as you know, of all the things I've seen, I thought it was in its in its vastness and its yeah. uh, and um, you know, you look silently on this great, great, you know, yeah, thing. It's it's quite magnificent, and I've always remembered it. And and these things are you know odd bits which sometimes idiosyncratically stick in your mind for no particular reason at all. But I remember that one. It probably is associated with the fact about you know, the plane ride from Las Vegas and the fact that it could be done and all that. But, but yeah, I do remember the yeah. Grand Canyon. Right. So uh, is that a happy time as well, being in Las Vegas? Yes, it was. The it Grand was a Canyon happy time. Yes, yes. Las Vegas is not one of my favourite places. Yeah. Um, so to get away from it for a bit was a, <laughs> a rather splendid idea. And it is, uh, you know, undoubtedly one of the great sites in the world. Right. Well, I, I haven't seen it, I'm afraid, but I have seen, I would compare it to, I've seen the Great Rift Valley in East Africa a few it times. Is, yes. And that has this, that's had the same effect on me. I yes. remember not initially flying over it, but driving or being driven to a point and suddenly it opens up. It, 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 that, yeah, that's right. And it's that, yeah. that sudden, you know, you just come to this thing and it open, and it's the most, you know, magnificent sight. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I remember that very, very fondly. So you've been to America quite a lot. So you've interviewed, is it different interviewing, let's say, an American president from a British prime minister? Well, the American president that, one of the American presidents that I interviewed um, was President Bush the Younger. Yes. And the problem about that was um, quite easy to, to define. He didn't like interviews. He didn't <laughs> like being asked questions. Yeah. And he didn't uh, like um, being asked particularly about why he was invading Iraq, because he had no idea what they were going to do there. Yeah. And um, when one questioned him about, um, you know, was he going to try to change the country and make it a more democratic nation? I mean, he was absolutely, uh, you know, puzzled about that, yeah. really. And um, and paid me the sort of backhanded compliment when I pressed him on this by saying, you know, you are one of these clever journalists who are trying to trip me up. And I said, "Can I have that in writing, Mr. President? <laughs> I could, I yeah. could use that when I apply for my next job." Yeah. No, but he—the problem about it was he didn't like interviews. President Clinton, on the other hand, quite liked talking. Yeah. And um, and and showing off. I I think you know the nice way, the nicest possible way. You know his erudition about the many many issues. Mm. Um, and so, uh, um, we were counselled about how little time the president had, and um. 
we couldn't get rid of him after a while <laughs> because he stayed much longer than he should have. Yes. Um, but no, I, yeah. yeah. Uh, um, the one thing I remember most about President Bush was he actually cut off the interview halfway and said he didn't want to do any more. And I had 30 minutes to fill and he would only do about 10 or 12. Yeah. Um, and then said, I'll, t I'll take you on a tour of the West Wing and the Oval Office. Yes. And th the West Wing was fine. I then went into the Oval Office being shown around by a sitting president. Yeah. And I suddenly thought, you know, journalists can be very blasé about things, but I suddenly thought, this is absolutely marvellous. Yeah. I mean, Another you know, part of an improbable life. A very, very part of an improbable life. Presumably and, uh, President Clinton didn't you take you around the no, Oval Office? Because the, <laughs> the Oval Office name is always a connotation now. Yes, yes, we don't want to go there. Yeah. But, um, uh, yeah, yeah, I... <laughs> The days in days after, I would say to my colleagues who were there, who were yeah. on the, the camera crew, I said, "You know, did we really go around the Oval Office in the company of a sitting president yeah. being shown around?" Yeah. And um, I wish I could have told my mother that I'd done that, but she'd passed on by. All right. Well, of course, it was charming of him to do that, but it, it was also a device to stop you asking it, difficult yes, questions. Yes, it, it, it was absolutely, yeah. it was absolutely wonderful. They, they, they only. Faux pas I committed, I, and I remember that. You remember your faux pas? Yeah. Um, um, was he, he kept calling me Sir Trevor, Sir Trevor. And I, I said at one point, I said, um, Mr. President, you know, this is a republic and yeah. you don't believe in these honours. So, yeah. you know, my name is Trevor. You yeah. know, so we could just go Trevor. And, um, and uh, he, 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 I said, in many cases, some of these honours uh, are not worth very much, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, and, a lot of people consider them pretty useless. Yeah. Oh, he said, you mustn't say that. He said, my father has one, which I had totally forgotten. All right, an the, honorary knight. His knighthood. father was given an honorary knight. Yeah. So I put my foot in it there, but I think I, I managed to get out. I think there are worse faux pas than that. <laughs> <laughs> Just while you're on your name, I, I saw a note that you were originally called George MacDonald and you changed it uh, yes, to Trevor. Yes, I, well, I, I think there's a funny story about that, actually. It, my name was never George. Oh, right. Um, but I think that when I was born, my father um, was celebrating a little too much. It was his firstborn. Yes. And he turned up at the registry office, which you had to do, and in those days, the registry office were run by sort of fierce backlaxes of women, yes. if one is allowed to say that. I shouldn't days. have thought so, but no, anyway, but, but we, I, I know what you now. mean. Yeah. Um, and they were really, really fierce. And my father entirely forgot the name that he had been, um, <laughs> he'd agreed with my mother. <laughs> and so the lady got terribly impatient. Yeah. And she said, well, if you don't know and if you can't remember, I'll just call him George. <laughs> <laughs> so my name was never George. But well, the, it sounds like it was officially story, George. Yeah, yeah. According to yeah. that lady in the registry yeah. office, it was. This could but, cause um, endless problems at some point. It, if your life it, had taken a different turn, I know, whether I you're know. named down as yes, Trevor or Joe or who's yeah. this, you're a complete fraud. You That's might right. Oh, yes, down. you could get into deep trouble. Were, were you ever tempted to revert or no. to use George? <laughs> I was always quite happy with what I was called. Oh, OK. All right. Now, just one more, if I can, just because you mentioned talking to... Uh, President Bush, the younger, uh, about the Iraq war. And I was just interested because we we're talking about America. But was that very different from, let's say, talking to Tony Blair, uh, the, the prime minister, obviously, in this country at the time, about the same issue? Yes. Tony Blair was, was uh, very interesting to talk to because he, he said, look, I did this. You may not agree. Yeah. At the time, I thought it was the best thing to do. And that is what it must stand. And in a way... That's rather difficult to puncture. 
yeah. because there's an air of, of, about it of you know I I would not say of being you know self righteous or anything like that but it meant that there was very little more you could say yeah you know because he he admitted he said look you know I did this I thought it was the best idea at the time you may not agree yeah. but that is the way it stands and that's that's looking back though at the time if you say you, for George Bush well what are you doing this for he didn't really have an answer in your account and I, yeah. people would understand that. But with Tony Blair, he he would have had a, a an answer because he's um a, you know he's he's just that kind of person, isn't he? He's got yes, a... yes. But of course, he, even at that time, um, all during the run up to the Iraqi invasion, there were very grave doubts about why it was being done. Mm. You know, there was a matter of Saddam Hussein having weapons of mass destruction, yes. although nobody had found any, and the United yeah. Nations team had gone in there and said there were no, or at least yeah. we could find no weapons of mass destruction. Yeah. So there was that difficulty. Yeah. You know, you say you're going in there to stop him doing weapons of mass destruction. And then he, in Tony Blair's case, he would say, well, I think he went as far as saying that there are these dictators who we must try and remove from the world. Yeah. Well, jolly good idea. How do you do that? How do you go about doing it? <laughs> so, you know, there was a yeah. bit of improbability about it. Yes. And, um, it was an odd response to 9-11 that Iraq was the yeah, country was attacked. Because so. Iraq had nothing to do with it. Yes, um, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, uh, uh, we but, discovered later. Yeah, <laughs> and and I, I think we were told of, you know, 45 minutes Iraq could attack. Yes. It's not Britain, it was maybe some base yes. on Malta or something. In, in Cyprus or... Yes, yes, Cyprus, yes. From the desert of the Grand Canyon, we're here for another attempt at what is, in light of recent events, no doubt one of the most highly anticipated motorcycle jumps in history. You'll recall it was just three weeks ago that bad weather temporarily washed out Robbie's dream of jumping a motorcycle across the Grand Canyon. And so we're back in this most majestic of natural wonders, this time, as you can see, under sunny skies, for another attempt at what seems unnatural. But your next wonder is, is equally uh, grand within itself, uh, whatever its relation to you, which is Beethoven's Ninth Symphony. So why have you selected this? I always uh, liked Beethoven's work, and I thought the Ninth Symphony was sort of audacious, uh, you know, having a choral end to it. Yeah. And, um, and I remember in my youth, and I, I haven't seen this written down for some time, Dag Hammarskjöld, when he, when he was Secretary General of the United Nations, used to insist on on playing, you know, certainly the the, the choral bit of the symphony yeah. um, at the beginning or the end of a United Nations deliberation, and it's you know Schiller's Ode to Joy. Yeah, um, and I always thought that was a rather sort of appropriate thing. The United Nations, which could be very fractious at times, and um, and this seemed to be a very unifying factor. For the for the rest of the world and the delegates who were there, and I always thought that was, you know, that was a really nice touch, mm. uh, especially for an institution which is so deeply political, and it gave me even more regard for the symphony, which I love. I yeah. I love all you know Beethoven's works, and um, you know, I got luckily introduced to it at at at, at school and have been you know devoted yes. to this music ever since. So so you're a fan of music. Do you play music yourself? Are you a musical I, person? played the piano very badly, mm. um, but I couldn't conceive of a life where you didn't spend long hours listening to music. Yes. And I go to concerts and uh, and very, very luckily in my years in Trinidad, I remember the, 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 the Halley Orchestra came with Sir John Barbaroli oh, right. and, and, and played, um, you know, Vaughan Williams and, and, and 
Beethoven and, and yeah. things like that. And it was always wonderful. Yes. Music has always been a great, great part of my life. I so you've, you've obviously had plenty of opportunities um, in later years, later than those uh, early uh, Caribbean years, to listen to music. I suppose if you'd been more BBC rather than ITV, uh, you'd have been a natural for presenting proms. And uh, But yeah. I, I, they must have invited you to be in the audience at any rate. I, I've, been, I've been to the proms. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Is, is that the sort of context of this yes, music? Yes, I, I, I always thought it was yeah. quite yeah. wonderful. But I... I I've loved going to concerts and, mm. um, and you know, yeah, I, it's yeah. great, great. And I, my musical tastes vary a, a, a lot. And, um, yeah. I, so grand, grand opera and rock opera or uh, grand opera. Yes. Yeah. I'm, I'm a trustee of opera Holland park and, yes. um, um, not that I'm an expert on it, but, um, I like the tuneful ones, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Puccini would yes. do Italian nice opera role. Yes. Uh, what about Wagner or something like that? Do you, do you like a you know a nine hour? I mean, it's it's um, no, I've never done the nine hour <laughs> thing, the nine hour yeah. um, trial. Yeah. Um, but yes, I mean, as you grow older, you appreciate even those that you tended to discredit, um, you know, yeah. in a, a earlier life. Well, now, oddly enough, Beethoven's Ninth, you say it was good good for the United Nations. I wasn't aware of the connection to the United Nations, but it has been used. By lots of different political organisations across the uh, there's there's a um, there's a f- there's a thing called the Pervert's Guide to Ideology, uh, which somebody made a philosopher. Never heard of that. Class. Well, no, but he well, <laughs> it's a communist philosopher called Slavoj Zizek, and he lists and it's just but this the ode uh, to joy and mm. the uh, Beethoven's Ninth has been used by Nazism, Bolshevism, mm. the Chinese Cultural Revolution, the East West German Olympic Team. Southern Rhodesia, as it then was, um, um, the leader of the Shining Path, and of course the Council of Europe and the European Union. And so, the European so Union. So it's yes. it's obviously very uplifting music, it, but it, it seems been. to atta- yes. uh, attract uh, yes. politicians of well a, a range of uh, yes. dodgy ideologies yeah. uh, and better ideologies. Yes, I didn't realise it was so widely used by all the, <laughs> yeah. that disparate yeah. group that you. Well, mentioned I mean, there's that. no reason why you shouldn't like but, it as a, but, as a piece of music. No, no, but... no, and and particularly in the context of the United Nations, though, which, however you conceive of it now and whatever you think about it now, was was you know came into being yeah. as a, as an idea of trying to unite. Yes, um, the nations of the world. So I think it was probably, or it is probably, most most appropriate there. I suppose in your career uh, as a journalist and specifically as a newscaster as well, you have to be rigidly neutral uh, on on party politics and 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 big issues. So I mean, this is a, a European anthem. So uh, that's that was another interesting time for news sources. I suppose it's come after your time as a newscaster. Yeah. Because yeah. uh, any hint that you're, you're pro or anti-Europe, yes, uh, as and or pro or anti the government, pro or anti uh, socialism or conservatism is is an is uh, to be criticised in somebody in your position. Have you yes. have you relaxed a bit now? Or do you stick to those uh, positions? No, I, st- I I never found it. I, I never I've never found it terribly um, difficult to mm. um, you know to keep your personal views more or less to yourself. Yeah. Um, when I was reading the news, you know, you were supposed to impartially yeah. inform people of what was going on, and I still believe that that is the way news should be done. Yeah. Um, um, my particular views on it are, are quite irrelevant. Yeah. If I wanted to promote them, then I could probably buy my own radio station or my own television station yeah. and, and 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 do that. But I never found it terribly difficult yeah. to be 
Well, absolutely. Important. Well, people do do that now, but of course, and uh, it's times implies, have changed. Yes, yeah, implies particularly the BBC. There, almost everybody looks at the BBC, and well, not almost everybody. A lot of people who are active in the various areas either say it's a bunch of government uh, spokesmen or it's a, a nest of uh, left-wing overwoke activists. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's and I suppose you operated more in ITV, which is has a certain amount of that, but doesn't get quite that sort of ownership no, but, but, feel. But, but, but we still, you, you know, I remember, I mean, I started, when I came to England, I went to the BBC at Bush House. So I started there. And, and uh, you know, even listening to the BBC in the in the West Indies, um, um, we always felt that, you know, what they set out to do, yeah. and they, they, they stated that what they set out to do was to present the news in a way which was fair, balanced, Yes. accurate. And I still believe that those yeah. are the codes by which this business should be done. And in the long run that's the way that's the way to get respect rather if you if you choose to start pushing it in one direction. It's, it's the unconscious bias that sometimes people I suppose worry about. I suppose yeah. so. and there are many instances when you could see where that would arise. But to be very honest the other thing I felt about uh, about the news is you know you, you you're sitting down in a studio in London trying to talk to people sitting in their rooms in mm. in Norfolk or somewhere in yeah. you know in 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 the Midlands and you're trying to explain the complexity of what's going on in Afghanistan yeah. or in Syria or something and i thought that was the more important part about yes. the news in you know informing people of what's going on and to 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 do that in a way which was non-biased and 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 yeah. you know but but the main thing was to be informative and, yeah. and well balanced i think do you think you were present for the the glory days of newscasting when there were one two three stations yeah. a, a, you know an impressive figure telling you the news giving you the yeah. news now we get news on our phones before yeah. anybody at itn or bbc or yeah. or cnn have got a chance to yeah. you know you get their shoes on it is um yeah Time has caught up with yeah. me. <laughs> no, it's it's good for you. It's like when you talk to rock stars, old rock stars had glory years. Yeah. Nowadays, it's much harder to make a big living out of yeah. being uh, making pop records. I mean, just to take another example, and yeah, um, but you know, the, the the one thing you do learn is that you know life moves on. Yeah, things change, and um, there's nothing you can do about it. I still look back on 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 the way um, you know the role I had in presenting the news. Um, you know, with with a great deal of respect about what we tried mm. to do, yeah. and um, you know, yeah, yeah. But they, in those days, the nation more or less did gather around the TV set to get the news. They hadn't heard yeah. it all day. That's right. They might they might have watched on the BBC. They might have watched on ITN. They they might have had something a bit earlier on Channel Four in later years. But other than that, there wasn't you know twenty four hour rolling yeah. news That's available. Right. It's to, changed. Yeah. Oh bliss, bliss and heaven. Oh, it was gorgeousness and gorgeousity made flesh. It was like a bird of rarest spun heaven metal, or like silvery wine flowing in a spaceship, gravity all nonsense now. As I slushed, I knew such lovely pictures. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. 
So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi everyone, Marcus from the Football Ramble here. We know that keeping up with all the football can be quite a tricky task, even for those at the top of the game. Wayne Rooney says he's been sleeping in his office. Yep. Diligent. Get Dedicated. Get some signings. Get signings. Get some signings yeah, done. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. everything's done by fax, isn't it? Yeah. So he can't go home. I like my dinner in the dog. That's actually how I <laughs> eat my food these days. <laughs> Even those who run the clubs are having a mare. I guess the system they have at Barcelona is that someone can come in and be president for a bit and the destruction they leave is, is someone else's problem. Thankfully, there's an easier way for you to keep up with all the football this season. Listen to the Football Ramble every weekday for the biggest stories from the Premier League and around the world. From the sublime to the ridiculous, the bust-ups to the cock-ups, it's your definitive guide to the new season. Just search Football Ramble in your podcast app to listen now. The Football Ramble is a stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. Or let's move on to uh, perhaps cheerier stuff. I don't know. This, I think, comes as... Well, I don't know it's a surprise exactly, but comedy might surprise some people listening. Comedy is your next... A choice, and all that's all I know. So I don't know whether you're going to say stand-up comedy, sitcom, Shakespearean comedies, having a laugh with mates in the pub. The, the idea of 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 comedy in 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 life, um, life is pretty disorganised, yeah. tough, unpredictable, with many harrowing bits. And I think the the art of of trying to find something which lightens the air and which mm. makes you laugh and takes you out of the the world in which you live with all its horrors and its, yeah. uh, you, you know, discourtesies and, 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 and all the problems. And I've always loved just sitting and, and being taken all out of that. Mm. And having spent a long time doing the news, especially yeah. that, that, you know, it is, you know, you, as you said, covering disasters, which we are prone to do, uh, um, it's always nice to sit back and to laugh and yeah. for people who could make you laugh and for, things which 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 make you laugh yeah. you, you know i i it's it's the the finest part of the day mm. when you can sit down and after the news yeah. um you know find something to laugh about so what what sort of area of comedy you like would you be billy Connolly or robin williams michael mcintyre uh, well, frankie boyle frankie howard well, i you know? i mean i go back to you know Morecambe and wise and only yes. fools and horses I yeah. mean, which my Kids tease me endlessly about because I find that wonderfully funny. Yeah, the ability to make people laugh and the ability to, you know, have a contrivance which, yes. which um, you know, makes people laugh. And and so the, the the plots in some of these are just so ludicrously wonderfully funny. Yes, um, that I you know I I 
live on them and dine out on them. Well, that's another thing that's possibly had its glory days are a bit behind it. The sit, the British sitcom with, as you say, a plot which, yeah, yeah. Uh, whether it's Hancock or Steptoe or Only Fools and Horses, where you start with some characters, you have a lot of laughs with them, and they're back, they're put back into position again, ready for the next. Episode. I know. There's I not so many of them. The way John Sullivan did this with, yes. with Only Fools and Horses. Yeah, and he green, did it for how many series? And all that, and yeah, for so yeah. long. Yeah. And, and they were, you know, at times rather complex plots, really. I mean, they yeah. could, you know, justify a play on the stage, but it was done for laughs yes. and it was, you know, people were funny and they were silly and they, you know, had grandiose ideas about the mm. simplest things and so on. Yeah. And I, I, I've loved it all. And they've stood then. the test of time, some of those yeah, ones you've mentioned, because yeah. they are endlessly still repeated. On, still on. Yeah. Thank heavens. Yeah. <laughs> and I spend a lot of time watching them still. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you did have a comedy career of you, and I know you did that, and you know that I know, because when you purported <laughs> to retire from being a newscaster, you did an episode of oh, I Got News For You, and you were, oh, sna- yes. you were snapped up and made a programme uh, called News Night, uh, news yes, that's tonight. Right. Yeah. And you were presenting a comedy program. You had comedians on and I was able to, well, I was, I, I think three or four of yeah, those yeah, episodes yeah. I joined. Now, that comedy career of yours, which got going, was stymied by the fact that ITN was so needed to get you back in the saddle because they were struggling without you. So you had to, because the well, whole, whole idea is like, rather That's a rather yeah. <laughs> nice thing to well, say. Well, it is essentially true, though, isn't it? You, you, you were able to relax your stays and go a bit crazy yeah. but, because you weren't the newscaster anymore. But that's now right. they needed you back. So that was the end of news yes. night. But did you enjoy? I enjoyed it, it immensely. Yeah. I, I think I I was not very good as a presenter because I laughed so much, and um and um, and you you know you have to be it has to be a semi serious job in presenting uh, yeah but, in presenting. But the great thing is if you'd said that anything it was even halfway rude or naughty, you'd get there was a trouble. free song of no, it was a free yeah. song of excitement. Exactly, oh, it's Sir Trevor McDonald saying that. Not, yes, yes, not just uh, oh, and Frankie Boyle was on it, so uh, <laughs> I was on it. Uh, um, but you know, we could chip in with our thing. Gosh, but, you're getting me interested again in I, getting back into comedy. Yeah. Well, I think so. <laughs> I, 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 I think you should revive that. The only uh, thing I didn't like about it, and it's a very technical thing, is I thought the name News Night was a yes. clever pun on the words at Europe, but it, it meant yes. that anybody ever talking about it immediately had to explain, oh, it's yes. got an extra K in it. So yeah, uh, I, I would have, in the meeting to decide the name of yes. the programme, I would have been dead against that. Yeah. Do, do, what about comedies? That, that bit was beyond my pay grade. Oh, I well, I, 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 don't know, I don't know if that's true or not, but the, uh, the, I think other than that, it was, it was and you were able to I do loved a, it. I a loved rude it. joke about, by then, the recently late... Bernard Manning, which got a lot of headlines, but it was oh, a yes, funny, yes, but it was a funny moment. Uh, you were rude yeah. about him. In a way, he might have been rude about you or yeah, anybody he, else. Yeah, he probably would, yes. <laughs> and we all would have taken yeah. it, I hope, yeah. in good spirit. Yes. Now, you were, I don't I don't think you were much uh, lampooned, but of course, Lenny Henry did build quite a good uh, a, bit of his a, career. A career, yeah. yes. <laughs> I frequently tell him that. Uh, uh, you were uh, responsible for his Yes, that's death. right. I tell yeah. him. He He'd must, be nothing, let's he face it. He must occasionally that. bow down, he, yes. Trevor McDonough. Yes, he, that's he right. Called, which wasn't, that's right. The, it wasn't the worst thing that you could have no, 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 been described no. as. Yeah. It's, it's amazing how long these things stay. I was up in Birmingham a couple of years ago and, and some man, um, I was didn't realise I was in the proximity of the studio where this was done, which I don't think uh, that that bit no longer exists. And he came to me and he said, you know, with very great earnestness, he said, um, you know, 
I was the one who helped take you in through the back door when yeah. you did Lenny Henry, and I thought, gosh, yeah. what, what 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 quaint memories people that was, had. That's Tiz was, isn't it? And he, that, he, that was Tiz t- was. Yeah, you you actually of, uh, appeared on it. Yeah, you you um, what is it? Ambushed him. And, uh, yes, he, that's he was right. doing you. Yes, and, and you I, turned I up and turned up and told trying him to look offended. He or... should try to <laughs> improve his act. <laughs> But what a great yeah. man he Lenny yes, Henry has turned uh, out to Yes, be. another, uh, I say Lenny Henry, Sir Lenny Henry. Sir Lenny uh, Henry. So he's matched you for that, having yep. taken the advantage yep. of... Uh, yep. uh, what about the sort of political comedies that might match, or the news comedies, like the day-to-day or the thick of it? Did, does that appeal to you as a satire on the world I, you know about? Yeah, I, think they're, I think they're quite funny. I, I think to, to, to be able to find and, 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 you know, to be able to, to take fun, make fun out of you know, yeah. current political situations. I think it's a great art, yeah. and uh, a lot of it is funny. Yeah. Um, I, I, I hope it's 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 not intended with any malice. Yeah. Um, that that's the way I like to conceive of. I think sometimes there is a bit of malice. Well, in, in some in, in some cases, satire. I'm yeah. sure it is. Yeah, but I think, um, but even when it is, it's still very. It can be still very yeah. funny. Sure. Um, um, I mean, there there could be some very funny cartoons about. About people, yeah. I see them in the papers, you know, about yeah. government ministers and so on. But, but they um, always love that, don't they? And they? They're the first one to want to buy the to original. Buy and fr- fr- frame it on there yeah. and frame it and pub it on their wall. Yes. Yeah. I'm trying to revive your comedy career in a sense. Oh, right, okay. But you well, don't thank have, you for that. You don't have to make a, another programme like that, but you could, if you choose, if you chose to, I'm sure you've been asked, you could be on Strictly Come Dancing. You could be, <laughs> you know, in Big Brother or in the, uh, you know, I'm a celebrity, get me out of here, or any, yes. or a cookery program, or, uh, you know, like John Sargent. <clears throat> yes. Excuse me, John Sargent, a serious yeah. um, journalist. He did terribly uh, well. Huh? He did well, but but there are endless, um, politicians do it as well. Have, have you been asked to do all those various I, things? I, okay, occasionally, uh, uh, um, but I, I think, I've always thought, you know, I should try and stick to things I think I might be able to do. Mm. And some of those things you mentioned, I couldn't possibly do. Um, mm. um, no, I, I, I'm pretty happy with the, yeah. with the line, lineup of things I've done so far. No, the comedy yeah. bits, you, you've excited me about yeah. um, more comedy programs, but oh, well, other I, than that... I'm, right, I'm going to rush forward with a proposal somewhere to, <laughs> to get you going. Thank but you. I'm, but I'm also suggesting... I mean, uh, I suppose Strictly Come Dancing is the biggest profile one. I bet they've asked you and have uh, uh, said, come along. I haven't been asked for that, no, to my my knowledge. No, OK, that's a very political answer. But uh, <laughs> I, I will, uh, I'm glad we've mentioned it because I'm sure that's going to provoke yes. a request. And I'm, But don't blame me if you no, no, do no. it and it all goes horribly wrong. Uh, and not and cooking, you wouldn't do a, a, another great like Ed Balls has made a I, yes, a, I know. Bonus I, I'm not out. I'm not very good at it, and I eat a yeah. lot of rubbish food. And yeah. um, are you a very domesticated person? I, I'm not a very domesticated no. person, so I, cookery programs are not my thing. No. There, there are many, many more people who do it so much better. But that's sometimes the point that they. I know you want I you know. to goof around a bit, maybe yes. in a celebrity or a charity. Yes, version. I appeared in a couple of programs when I was promoting my book, but yeah. but otherwise I have. <laughs> Henri Berson was a French philosopher who prefaced his essay on laughter by saying he wouldn't define the comic because it's a living thing. He argued laughter has a social function. To destroy mechanical inelasticity in people's attitudes and behavior, someone doing the same thing over and over, or building up a false image of himself and the world, or not adapting to reality by just noticing the banana peel on the ground, this is automatism, ignorance of one's own mindless rigidity, and it's dangerous but also laughable, and comic ridicule helps correct it. 
The comic is a kinetic vital force, or élan vital, that helps us adapt. Comedy I, I might be a bit of a surprise to some people, not to me, because I'm you know, fully aware of how, um, how you, you did pursue a, a comedy element. But let's the fifth of your great wonders is the first days of spring. Now, again, I don't know why you've included well, why? this. Why? I, I, when I came to England, I couldn't conceive of, 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 of any other form of life other than eternal sunshine. As as it is in the West Indies, yeah. with the occasional rainy patch, which is pretty, pretty dreadful and and can be, and of course the occasional hurricanes and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, so it's, it's often it's remarkable. Often, and there are like you know test matches or something. Yeah, and we we think of the Caribbean as eternal sunshine, That's but there's right. this huge rainstorm. I know, yeah. I know, and even more so now. As, yeah, as, 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 yeah, sure. Um, but and I I didn't ever get along with snow and 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 winter, and and never liked it. But after a while, having been born into and having, you know, loved eternally the idea of, yeah. you know, constant sunshine, I began to to like the change of seasons. Yes. I think it's really, it it's it it makes the year much more livable if if yeah. things change in in order, and after after you know winter with which I've never really got along terribly no. well. And I don't suppose I ever will now. Um, it is really, really lovely and in, invigorating and yeah. and wonderfully changing to 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 have you know the, the the coming of spring. Yes, I think. I mean, there's a Beethoven symphony. There's the sixth symphony, or is yeah. it the sixth? Or where, yeah. where where he also yeah. um, taught, you know does that in musical terms. Um, and it's always wonderful after the winter to have this you know have this change. And for somebody who never thought of a change of seasons as as anything but a sort of vague concept, yeah. I find I really, really look forward to it. So it's absolutely wonderful. Did you say earlier you 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 first worked or came to the Britain in when you were about thirty? Is that that yes. sort of age, late yes. twenty thirty? So um, had you got a, a fixed idea of what you, you might have gathered that the weather was going to be a bit? Changeable, but you might have had a, a, I don't know, an optimistic view of what Britain was like. What, or, or I'm, what I'm reaching towards? Did Britain disappoint on first yes, acquaintance, no, or did it excite you from the way? It, it, it always excited me, but that is also um, something w- which is 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 very much part of being born in in a colony, mm. a British colony. Yeah. I mean, you, you know, we learned very little about West Indian history. Yeah. And learned more about Trafalgar Square and about yeah. the London being the metropolitan centre, and about you know Wellington and Francis yeah. Drake yeah. on Plymouth Sound before he went out to hound the Spanish Armada and all that. Yeah. All that was part of our life. So we, one had this this sort of picture of of, of England mm-hmm. and and what England represented. It it was the metropolitan centre, centre yeah. of empire, um, and and so all that was very much part of uh, of of your upbringing. Um, and the reality was was different. It was made slightly better for me by the fact that I came <clears throat> and I started working at Bush House in yes. the in the Alwich then, yeah. which was a United Nations of broadcasters sure. and broadcasting to the world. Mm. And so you fell into that with great yeah. great glee, and it it gave you a slightly biased idea of what Britain was really yeah. like working in Bush House. But it was a gloriously biased idea of what Britain yeah. what was. Well, um, that's a that's a part you know that's in. More or less central London. 
Yeah. And central London ha- does have its high points and excitements. Right. Even within uh, London, there mm. are vast areas which don't conform to an no, imperialist right. description of London no, or, and the rest right. of the country. So I, I, I'm just wondering, when you first actually saw Britain, maybe when the weather was bad and you were maybe staying somewhere not quite as glorious as the Aldwych, it might have been, oh, no, this isn't yes. quite what we've been taught. What, what have I done? Yes. And why on earth am I here? <laughs> oh, yes, there were those days and yeah. there, were those, there were those thoughts. Yeah. Um, but I was terribly fortunate in the fact that I very quickly... I mean, I got a job at Bush House before I came to, to, right. to London. And there was that broadcasting back to the Caribbean, and and yes, and and right. later to the World Service, yes. to all around the world. Yeah. So and you know, I didn't come here looking for a job. I was invited when I was in Trinidad to come to to excellent to, to, to Bush House. Yeah. So that that that's a great, great, great difference. This yeah. was a, a golden you know entry into the place. Yeah. Um, of course, you realise then it was n- not all that, and then you know, very fortunately and with great good fortune. I, I landed in ITN and 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 stayed there for a very long time. Yeah, and was given, you know, every chance to do as much as I wanted to there. So, and were you welcome with open arms to be a, a reporter, somebody from the Caribbean as opposed to somebody from? Well, they they Britain? ITN did. I mean, um, yeah. of course, I, I learned much much later um, that um, one of one of my editors said to me much many years after I'd been in the firm that. Um, you know, people called up and said, who is that that black West Indian guy? Yeah. And why is he reading the news? Um, I was told the response was, you better get to sort of get accustomed to him because he might be around for some time. Yes. Um, but yes, I mean, I, I, you know, there were some people who were probably not not too happy with it, but it didn't affect me, it didn't affect my life. Yeah. Um, I had a job to, to do, which was terribly competitive in an environment which I hadn't, you know, seen anything like that before. Yeah. Um, and I had a mortgage to pay, so I yes. put, put your head down and did the best you could. March 20th marks the vernal equinox. In other words, the beginning of spring. During an equinox, the sun is shining directly over Earth's equator, which means day and night will be nearly identical in time length in this region. Makes sense because the word equinox comes from the Latin words equus and nox, which means equal night. While the Northern Hemisphere prepares for warmer days during the vernal equinox, the Southern Hemisphere does the opposite during the autumnal equinox, the beginning of fall. Seasons change because of Earth's tilt on its axis. We're talking about the first days of spring. I think we've 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 gathered why you, that that is coming to a temperate climate. It isn't all good, but at least the first days of spring yeah. uh, make it seem it's getting better. But we're perhaps straying now into your, your next wonder, uh, and uh, so that is campaigns promoting equality. I've always admired um, people who start those campaigns. Inequality, in its most general sense, across the world has always been a big, big, you know, a universal problem. And I've always admired, you know, people who, who, who you know, first have the idea about, uh, you know, about making the world a more equal place and getting minorities a, a better chance, minorities in the sense of all over the world. I'm not mm. talking just about in, in, in Britain, you know, in every part of the world you look, there are people who chafe under the, the, the difficulties of, inequality you see, you see it and and i've always you know i i worked a lot in america so one saw it a lot there with um, 
you know, Martin Luther King and, and people like that. And, you know, you, you look at some of these things and you think they, it, it's improbable that they will ever survive and thrive. Mm. But in the end, they do, and they make you, you know they they make they make the news. Um, of course, we learned today, you know, in today's world, that there are always people who try to, you know, overturn any gains that have been made in mm. in uh, people's fight for equality. But you know, it will remain one of the the the, the, the great things about our our existence. You know, we must we must strive to be. Um, much better and to treat people much, much better. And I've always admired those who have you know, sturdily campaigned yes. in that effort. No, I, I follow that. But from what you're saying before, and I may be getting a completely false impression, mm. um, it, it's almost you, not that you had a charmed existence, but you, you things went well for you yeah. uh, from the word go and continue. You found a, a couple of good uh, niches to operate in. and well, I mean, it's a big niche in ITN, but... In the world service before that, um, so it sounds like you personally have have not uh, had to confront a lot of no, uh, difficulty. No, but but, but I've seen you sure, know, and I've yeah. been to places yeah. where it's the it's the dominant issue. Yeah, and um, and my admiration for the people who strive to do that. Yeah. I, I look even today, you see um, people talking about. Um, you know, you know the, the Uyghurs in China, or the yeah. you know, the Rohingya people in in, mm. in in what used to be Burma, and and so on, and and you know still in in parts of Southern Africa and and all over the world in Asia, and yeah. you, you know the, the 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 caste system in India, you, yeah. you know which kind of enshrines a kind of inequality, I think, mm. um, you know, so so sternly. Um, and and you see people fighting to change that, and they've always had my admiration. Mm. Although, as you say, I I have been terribly terribly lucky. I don't think um, I I had an ability to transcend these things in any particular way. I was given great chances, mm. and you know I managed with great fortune to take them. Yeah. Um, uh, yes. You you're right. I I didn't have much to complain about in a personal sense. No. I, I suppose the sort of question, if I just. Relating to it, you know, Margaret Thatcher was the first woman prime minister and mm. achieved a great number of things as a, as a woman. Mm. Uh, but what was often said to her or said about her, well, was she able to have promoted more women within her cabinet and within yes. her government? And without going into that too much, that's just... A, mm. uh, and now, in, in your case, have you been in a position to, to affect this personally? In a, in a yeah. sort of minor way, I felt that one part of it was because of who I am, was to make sure you did the stuff well mm. and that you were seen, you mentioned earlier, to be, you know, straight up and unbiased and, yeah. and, and to do the job professionally. Yeah. And I think that that probably paid some dividends. And I say that because people have said so to me. Yeah. Um, many, many people, uh, you know, West Indian parents have said to me, you know, we never thought that our son or daughter could do some yeah. broadcasting or be in the media. But having having seen you, yeah. uh, you know, I think... We were, so, so as I, a pioneer, you did it well. Well, I hope in some small way. And I, I, I felt the one bit of responsibility I felt was don't mess it up. Mm. Try and do it to the best of your ability. Extra pressure and in I, that sense. Uh, the, the one thing which my West Indian heritage, uh, um, you know, infused in me was the ability to work 
assiduously hard. Mm. You know, my l- life in television was a lot of hard work. Yeah. And it still is, you know, you, yeah. we talked about interviews and interviewing and so on. All that's, you know, yeah. you, you prepare well for that. Put, and, put and the hours in first. Do it well. Um, well as far as um, particular um, campaigns promoting quality are concerned, in a sort of naive way, every, every now and then I think, well, Things are much better now than they were in, the, mm. let's say, the 1950s or even 60s. And and then things come along and you have a Black Lives Matter campaign mm. and we're looking at, you know, deaths in custody. We're looking at, you know, the, you know things aren't... Stop they're certainly saying. not perfect. Yeah. And and you get worried that... Uh, or the, like the Windrush scandal. Mm. How was it? Which he, goes on. Yes, which is extraordinary. Mm. That, it is uh, absolutely extraordinary. And for some bit of paperwork that wasn't done in 1955. I, I Do you know my prominent feeling or one of my main feelings about that is if people understood the sort of affection which was generated in the colonies about England and about the British Empire, West Indian men... Their passages were paid here to come and fight for the mother country. There were some West Indian women who paid their own way to come here to support Britain in yes. its in its campaign in the Second World War. And that's astonishing. This business about or this feeling of affection for the mother country was so profound. It is terrible to think that people are being deported and so on. You know, it's just even, it isn't, isn't worth yeah. thinking about, really. It, it, there's those oddities where even uh, somebody who you know goes away and fights on behalf of ISIS, uh, and then and then they they want to come home again. A young young woman, yeah. If they were a, a white British citizen doing that or doing anything like that, they would, mm. they'd have to come home because there's no yeah. they've no other place for them. No other place. But for there them. is a there is an argument that's been constructed. So oh, well, somebody with a bank in the one particular case, a Bangladeshi uh, parents. Well, they can go to Bangladesh when there's no actual. It's just sort of. It's not how these things flare up. You yes, think, uh, but this is what I mean about the this this fight for equality. Yeah, the campaign for people being treated fairly. Of course, there's been a recent commission on race and ethnic disparities. Uh, Tony Sewell uh, chaired it. That's which, right. Uh, I mean, it's been much discussed and raised some controversy and, and uh, suggested. Well, you know, race isn't the the big thing that it was, and mm. it's more to do with. Uh, you know, economic resources and maybe even class distinctions. But but uh, where where do you stand on that? I suppose all those things are part of it. Mm. But to think that um, the race issue has gone totally yes. is, is, I think, a big mistake. Yes. And, and look, I don't know how importantly we should regard this because uh, um, I know we're, uh, we're going to come on to sport in a moment, but, you know, big sports fan. But, you know, the England did very well in the Euros for a while and failed at the last... And because uh, three players happened to be black, they yes. took part in the penalty yes. shootout. And there were so many things to think about in that game as to how it started well, tactics, penalty mm. shootouts, which have traditionally gone wrong. And then, but for some people, the one thing they noticed, yeah. Yeah. and it was, uh, but I would say, when I say how important is that, is that just 100 nutters or is it um, loads of people who are. I, I don't know what the the, the the figure would be, but I suppose there'll always be people like that, and people, you know, there'll mm. always be questions like that raised, and and people will always, uh, you know, suffer the consequences as those treatments you mentioned there. Yeah. Um, I think it's terribly sad, um, um, but but it it shows that there's much more work to do, mm. and that this this you know this whole whole issue yeah. is is not properly no. laid to bed yet. 
Welcome back. And speaking of history, what a callback today to a scene from 57 years ago today. Americans descending on the nation's capital, peaceful crowds surrounding the reflecting pool with urgent pleas for voting rights and end to police brutality, a call for racial justice and equality. Back on August 28 of 1963, it was called the March on Washington for Jobs and Freedom, remembered forever for the I Have a Dream speech by the late Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. It had to be modernized for 2020, so today's gathering was billed as the Commitment March, Get Your Knee Off Our Necks. An obvious reference to the late George Floyd, it comes days after Jacob Blake was shot seven times by police. And just like 57 years ago, today's speakers called for justice, equality, and an end to systemic racism. Oh, well, that does bring us, um, I suppose not entirely happily, but it does bring us to sport, because your, the, your seventh and last wonder of the world is the Olympic spirit. Yeah. So I suppose you're, we're recording this in the middle of the... Olympic Games. So I suppose that's nudged your and mind. After that I've front. spent many, many hours. <laughs> well, I was expecting Olympics. something to do with sport because I know you used to be a sports reporter and I've, I've talked to you about sport before, but I was, I was wondering whether your first instinct might have been to go with something like cricket, which isn't mm. part of the Olympics. Well, which, is, which is part of um, my, yeah. my, yes. Well, cr- you, you've written a, a bio... Cricket is a West Indian plague. <laughs> well, it, well, it certainly... Uh, <clears throat> Is do I even suggest was a very you know very yeah. dominant player in the world of yeah. cricket? But uh, uh, but then you've written the biographies of Clive Lloyd and Vivian Richards, Richards who yeah. were uh, in their own, uh, slightly different ways very dominant uh, players of the game. And so I was kind of expecting. Oh, here's the list from Sir Trevor. I was expecting cricket to, but 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 why the Olympics? The Olympics because I think I I like um, not only the variety of sport one sees. But I like the fact that it's so vastly international. Yes. And you see a, a spirit there among the athletes who um, are from different parts of the world, some from parts of the world which are, you know, in contention with each other yeah. about various <clears throat> issues. And yet they come together and they get along marvellously well. And you would see occasionally somebody from Iran or, or, or somebody, you, you know, and... and their country is not is at odds with some other part of the world. Yet these two athletes representing such, you know, different parts of the world, yeah. they come together, they compete together, and they manage to congratulate each other sometimes um, <laughs> through through through, um, you know, not not wholeheartedly, but but but, yeah. but they do. And I think that spirit, which I think is engendered by 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 sporting activities and so on, is still wonderful. I still I I still. You talk about cricket as being a, a kind of part of West Indian life, and it is. I say it is sort of West Indian disease. But one of the things about it was we always learned that you, you, you know, be magnanimous when you when you win, mm. and 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 be you know fairly gentle in your in in your victory, and, and never be, be be over you know preening about it, and. Um, and I always thought that's a very good example of what life should be. And one sees it in the in the vast Olympic uh, spirit. And I I have great admiration for, for the fact that I mean, so many many nations you you never hear about 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 some of them in general news yeah. items, and yet you see their their athletes participating, and the pride and the joy I think which is um, you know engendered by people winning, and even when they they've lost, just to have taken part. 
in this grand international yeah. sporting event. And do you, I think it's entirely wonderful. And do you get interested in all these minority sports well, that I, we, we, I, we don't care about? Some, <laughs> some of which I can't even yeah. d- d- you know, understand, yeah. even yes. after it's been explained several times on the television. Yeah. We, um, Great Britain lost uh, in a, a, a taekwondo yeah. match, and I couldn't understand what our guy had done wrong <laughs> or, or badly. Uh, the, the other issue is is the, the finance. If we go back to, I don't know, the Los Angeles Olympics, Britain did really, really badly, and now we do pretty well. We sort of punch, if not above our weight, yeah. certainly our weight, and yeah. that comes down to really the money that's been raised from the yeah. the lottery yeah. and other funding, and that's given us a, um, you know, we 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 now appear on the medals table. Uh, the only one that's mysterious to me, anyway, is that how Australia does so well with a population a fraction of ours. Well, they're um, mad about sport. They are, but they're yeah. maybe the. But you know, if you compare British medals to Germany, France doing very well mm. up there. Obviously, not going to beat um, you know somewhere like uh, America. That's that's in China because of the population China, and all yeah. sort of wealth. But yeah. but in Australia, I think they're the ones that come away crowing yeah. about. It. And yeah. and you say another small country might get one gold medal or two gold, but they can say right. Or Italy with, you know, bringing the 100 metres. Yeah. I and mean, that's a proper yeah. victory, isn't that it? That was ex- astonishing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I wonder if we're going to have see many more Italian uh, winners of that. Because it's almost always, well, it was always America and then it was Jamaica because of well, so both. Well, so I'm yeah. glad you mentioned Jamaica because my yeah. West Indian friends were still saying they're, they're still all in the shadow of Usain Bolt. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> is, is there um, a rivalry with with in, in um, Caribbean islands, West Indian yeah, islands? There, there is, uh, um, but it's fairly mild. Yeah. Um, um, I mean, they have more rivalries in, in politics and e- economic yes. unions and so on yeah. and things like that. Um, but I was glad to see, you know, um, there was one guy who did pretty well, I think, in one of the races. Yeah. Um, and he was he was from Grenada, where my father was born. Yeah. So, I, you know, tiny tiny island. We we forget how how small yes. these islands are. I think the population of Grenada is not quite quarter of a million. I yeah, mean, it's less they than do that. Very well. So, so yeah. they do very well. Well, we're coming to the end of our time, but I I, I wonder if I should ask you this: that uh, you know, I've I've interviewed you before, and I've seen you uh, talking about yourself a bit. But you are a, a, a famous person, in, inherent, in, inherent <laughs> well, in reading the news to millions yeah. of people and the other work you've done uh, since. You've done a lot of uh, programmes. Are you um, happy with talking about yourself, uh, your personal life? I mean, I, I don't think people know much about your personal life. No. You come from the Caribbean Islands. And I know a bit more, which I haven't really gone into. But what's the? do you like uh, that thing of being a famous person? Not particularly. It doesn't do 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 um, very much. I'm still astonished about what this what what this word does for you. Um, well, I was fame, I was yeah. I was in you know Southwest London the other day, and well, it's it's not the other day. It's a couple of years ago yeah. now, and 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 this guy, the bus driver, stopped at a non-bus stop, yeah. and he came out and and he said, "Could you may, may I take a picture with you? And could yeah. you sign this to me?" And um, um, I said, but you have people on the bus. Yeah. I mean, you can't. He said, well, they can't go anywhere, which I suppose is absolutely true. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, what happens inevitably is that they can't work the camera. Yeah. And I know that I'm not making this story up because yeah. somebody in an accountant's office uh, yeah. um, across the street saw what was happening. Yeah. And this guy happily came out and, and helped to take the picture. And I still find that quite extraordinary, really. Yeah. Um, 
And my son, when he was very much younger, my uh, younger son, um, somebody came off a bicycle and came on, rode onto the pavement and sort of slapped me on the shoulder. Mm. And my son said to me, he was only about five or six then, he said, Dad, how does that guy know us? And I, <laughs> I thought the us was very interesting. And, you know, part of it is yes. inexplicable, really. And did you say to your son, he doesn't know us, he knows no, me, because did, well, I'm a I very important person who reads that, the news. But, and... but so I still find a bit, still find a lot of it um, rather strange. Mm. But it's now what is part of your yeah. life now. And sure, but did you go into that, into being on screen I suppose even being on the, a voice when you first never you, predicted it. No. You can never predict it. I had some hint of it. In I did some t television in the West Indies, and of course, in those days, Trinidad had a population of just over a million. Mm. So you became instantly well known. Yeah, and people knew what car you drove, mm. and they knew where you lived, and they thought they knew everything about you. And I found that that that's slightly odd and a little intrusive. Um, you know, it's the life I chose to live. So you take, you take, um, you know, there are great good parts of it. So, yes. you know, like being shown around the Oval Office. Yeah. Um, so I, I take the, I take everything as it comes. And you're still making programs uh, that take you around the world a bit. Yeah, I still, yeah. I still. I know, when that's possible, I suppose. It's, still uh, us. All right, look, uh, Sir Trevor McDonald, thank you very much for uh, offering us your seven wonders of the world. I have to select a, a sort of wonder of wonders uh, from your list so that we can you know, uh, epitomise your listeners. It's, it's quite difficult. I, I am sorely tempted to make c comedy because it's part of my campaign yeah. to get you uh, back on air. But I have interviewed a lot of comedians in connection with this uh, podcast, so I don't want to get obsessed no. uh, with that area, even though it would be more interesting than oh, you're interested. To be obsessed with comedy is not a bad idea. No, it's not <laughs> a bad idea. And it's more interesting that you're obsessed with it than, yeah. uh, than a comedian is. But I think I'm going to put a, my serious hat on here and say that campaigns promoting equality yeah. uh, is, is, a more, is a more important wonder of the world, even than comedy or tropical sunsets. But I, uh, I would heartily agree with you, and it's terribly gracious of you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you very much for joining me, Sir Trevor MacDonald. My Seven Wonders with Clive Anderson is a stack production in association with Alaska TV and powered by the Acast Creator Network. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.